are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Storm Tracker Podcast here. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing canescounty.com, part of the rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe, share, and comment this podcast as well as this YouTube channel. Of course, it is game week, and we will be discussing Miami versus Miami of Ohio in a week one matchup Friday night at Hard Rock Stadium. And joined with me today on this podcast on this podcast is Steve Helwick, who covers for Hustle Belt, who covers the Mac. Uh, he covers all the Mac teams. So uh, Miami's going to get some action this week. And uh, that uh, Hustle Belt net, uh, site is part of the SB Nation. Steve, thanks for joining me this week. Yes, really excited to be here. Excited to go to Hard Rock Stadium for my first time Friday night for Miami versus Miami, which is a matchup I remember when it was first scheduled. And just the names alone get people excited for the matchup. There's been kind of a rivalry that started this week. I saw I saw a diss track out there from <laughs> uh, Miami, Florida fans about Miami, Ohio. So I think it's going to be a fun non-conference matchup to start the year for both teams. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I think Miami just kind of wants a reason to kind of get excited. I think both teams probably do. Uh, I think the reporter that asked quarterback uh, Gabbert if he – you know, who's who's the real Miami is kind of really stirred things up here. Uh, I do want to kind of show uh, that that clip here and just kind of play it from one of our affiliates, which is 305 Sports, and just just kind of show what what his comments were. So basically he said that, you know, that they'll we'll find out September 1st and and that we will on who the real Miami is. So just first first off, Steve, you know, you know, what's 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 been, you know, kind of the buzz, I, I guess, or, or around Miami, Ohio uh, and, and just. Now, what, what's the excitement going into game one for the Red Hawks? I always feel like the Red Hawks fly under the radar with the rest of the Mac, and they've quietly been a very consistent team over the past decade. They have the Mac's longest tenured head coach in Chuck Martin. Both their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator have also been there 10 years alongside Martin. Their quarterback, Brett Gabbert, enters his fifth consecutive year as the week one starter. So they have impressive continuity, not only in the coaching staff, but in the player personnel as well. And I think that this is a team that realizes that they can win the MAC championship last year. Gabbert was limited to four games in the prior season, and the team still managed to reach bowl season, win six games, and 
lose a fair share of close ones as well. So I think that Miami, now that they have a star all-MAC quarterback who's won a bowl MVP, he's won a MAC championship before, I think the vibe is they can get back to that point and accomplish all those things again. Although Toledo is the favorite in the MAC this year, the conference is wide open every year. Nobody's repeated since 2011 and 2012, Northern Illinois. And also in the MAC, no team, no, no conference champion has had double digit wins in a single season since 2017 Toledo, just showing how much parity is in the conference and how there are so many teams that can contend for this championship. So I think that belief is there. And also, after last year's slate of injuries, not only did Gabbert get hurt, but their starting left tackle, Sam Vaughn, went down in the opener and never returned. So just getting a full slate of health and having a mass amount of returning starters where almost their whole defense returns, I think there's a vibe that this team can do something really special in 2023. Now, last year they went 6-7, and seven, and a lot of the games they, they led in, in those games. So – is this a case where they just can't finish off games or uh, or is it something else, you think? I don't think they really had the offensive firepower necessary last year. They were a phenomenal defense. They ranked first in the MAC in scoring defense. They ranked first in the MAC in run defense. They were really stout in their front seven. Well, front six with a 4-2-5 scheme that they run. But offensively, without Brett Gabbert, they had backup Avion Smith, who wasn't really a more of a throwing threat. Avion Smith could run the ball as a quarterback, but he didn't, he wasn't completing balls 15, 20 yards down the field like Gabbert did on a regular basis. So yeah. Miami didn't really have that passing offense. They were a bottom 10 passing offense in the country, and still their running game didn't really make up enough for it. We saw a few good performances in the run game, but this was on a team that was getting 100-yard rushers on a regular basis at all. And they have a rotating uh, stable of running backs that they'll return this year, Keon Mosey leading the pack with then more receiving-oriented running backs and Kenny Tracy and Kevin Davis. So they're all back on campus. And maybe the run game can take another gear this year as they have Brett Gabbert to keep the passing defenses that they play honest. So I think that last year... A lot of their losses were just a result of offensive ineptitude, just simply due to Brett Gabbert's absence. Now, Avion Smith, like you said, was more of a running quarterback or, or dual threat type of quarterback, but Gabbert can run as well. Miami's had difficulty stopping running quarterbacks. Do you expect that to be a threat on Friday night? Not exactly. I do think that the Hurricanes have a significant advantage up front against Miami's offensive line. Miami has the biggest offensive line in the MAC. There are so many of the guys on the roster, if you look, that are 6'7 and taller. It is a huge offensive line. My concern is that they're a very veteran offensive line. They're returning a lot of their guys from the prior year. But the prior year team allowed over 2.9 sacks per game, which ranked in the bottom 25 of the FBS. So I think that Leonard Taylor and the guys up front can really stifle uh, Miami's run game there. So I don't think that Brett Gabbert's going to be too big of a running threat for this opener this weekend. Now let's talk about some of the playmakers on both sides of the ball here. Um, I mean, you spoke about a couple of them already, but what are some of the running backs and wide receivers, tight ends that Miami should be weary of? Well, Keon Mosey should be the main running back that gets all the rushing at the most of the rushing attempts. He was formerly at Kansas state. He's going into his third year as a red Hawk. 
Last year, he led the team in rushing yards uh, outside of Avion Smith and rushing attempts. And there was one game last year that I really felt like he took over, and that was when they beat Northwestern in Evanston. And Kevin Davis and Kenny Tracy will be the supporting running backs that you'll see more on third downs receiving opportunities. So those will be some of the other guys filling out the depth chart. And then wide receivers, a really interesting position for Miami last year because they really used one one primary wide receiver last year, Mac Hippenhammer, and now he's off of campus. So they're going to need new faces to step up because Hippenhammer had more than double the amount of receptions, more than double the amount of receiving yards, and more than four times the amount of receiving touchdowns is the next closest Red Hawk in each category. So you're looking at some transfer receivers, namely Joe Wilkins Jr. from Notre Dame, Gage Larvidane from the FCS level. And they're going to need some of these guys to really step up because they don't really have a number one receiving threat. If I had to guess someone who would take that role this year, I, I think it might be Joe Wilkins Jr. from Notre Dame because we saw a similar career arc in Mac Hippenhammer because Hippenhammer was a seldom utilized receiver at Penn State. And as soon as he got to Miami, Ohio, he became a frequented receiver threat. I think we could see a similar breakout with Joe Wilkins Jr. Then another guy I would just watch is Miles Marshall, who was their second leading receiver last year in 2022. So he's the incumbent guy there, has familiarity with the program, with Gabbert himself. So those are some of the receivers to watch. And then Miami just, you'll see a lot of two tight end sets. They run, they use a lot of tight end, especially in the receiving game. Jack Coldiron is the main tight end that you'll see utilized there, but Nate Mersh also gets some usage. Steve Helwick, he covers the Mac for Hustle Belt, joined with me today on the Storm Tracker podcast. Now let's talk about the defenders, uh, which are some of the defenders for the Red Hawks that Miami of Florida should be weary of? Well, there's one defender returning that had all Mac status last year, and that's Matt Salapek. He was formerly a safety, but transitioned to outside linebacker. And I think the transition really well suited him. In consecutive seasons, he's registered over 100 tackles, had 124 last year, and he didn't even rank first on the team, which was how many tackles Ryan McWood had. Now, Ryan McWood is one of their two main departures from the defense last year. He was a middle linebacker. So that's one position you might want to see of who steps up in that position. Ty Wise is certainly a candidate to emerge into that threat. But middle linebacker is one place where Miami, Ohio has a major vacancy. Their other vacancy that they have is at cornerback as John Saunders Jr. transferred out of the program. But the secondary overall is in good shape, returning four of its five starters from last year. They have a horde of talent at safety. And I'd say that Michael Dowell's the main guy to watch there. He had 97 tackles last year, six pass breakups as a transfer from Michigan State. He's going to be someone at the back end. And we've seen Miami, Florida's passing offense dice up opponents before, namely at the end of the 2021 season when Tyler Van Dyke just went on that rampage with six straight 300-yard games with three-plus touchdowns each time. So I think Michael Dowell is someone who's going to really have to excel on the back end to prevent Van Dyke from another performance like that because Miami, Ohio, they were the max top-run defense last year, but I think the pass defense was a little more of a struggle for the team all season. We saw that in the Bahamas Bowl against UAB with some of UAB's long completions. So can't allow the home run ball. Michael Dowell is going to be the guy that is going to be uh, required in zone coverage to thrive. 
Awesome stuff. Now, uh, back to the offensive side of the ball with Gabbard. Do you think he kind of takes the next step in his development here? Um, what do you expect to kind of see from him game one, given his experience? He's somebody who has improved every single season that he's been on campus. And that doesn't really include last year just because there wasn't a big enough sample size to allow. But when he was on the field last year, he was pretty efficient. He didn't throw an interception in his four games, but he delivered four touchdown strikes. And he completed passes at a pretty accurate rate. But this was someone who we saw thrust into the lineup in 2019 as a true freshman. And he had to play a difficult schedule of Iowa, Cincinnati, and Ohio State in non-conference that year. He managed to get out of that. He managed to win the conference. And then he just got better ever since. And we saw that improvement from 2019 to 2020. And then we really saw a step from 2020 to 2021 where he had over 2,600 passing yards, a 26 to six touchdown to interception ratio, averaging nine yards per attempt, earning all max status. He had a pair of 400 yard games in that season. So he's somebody who can really add verticality to the offense and get Miami an explosive passing game. So I think that we'll see a similar Gabbert to what we saw in 2021. It's been a while since we've seen significant sample size from him, but I think with a full slate of health, it was mainly his non-throwing shoulder last season. I think that Gabbert's going to be arguably as good as a quarterback as there is in the Mac this year. Uh, Curtis Rourke from Ohio is pretty talented. I think Gabbert belongs in that same category. Gabbert just wasn't on the watch list because he was hurt last year and now he's flying under the radar again. Well, at least until that comment that went viral this week. Right, exactly. So it, it definitely seems like Tyler Van Dyke and Gabbard are on a similar path here. They had really breakout 2021s. They had injuries to their uh, non-throwing shoulders uh, last year. So it, it, it's, 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 um, it's going to be interesting to see who has the better game and better season this year so let, let's go to the game it's friday night um you said you have you been to miami before steve no i've been to florida all the time i've done ucf games fau games never been down to hard rock before but given its status as an nfl stadium really looking forward to going there checking out the facilities seeing the vibe okay so when you when you did come to miami was it during this uh early uh fall season or was it kind of later in the year yeah i haven't i have not been to miami before oh i thought you said you went to fiu uh fau fau okay close enough. last year <laughs> close enough um so so you have an idea of of uh the humidity that's down here um so i, I do think okay so you know exactly uh, what it is. Um, I was actually in Houston for the final four for when, when Miami was there mm -hmm. earlier this year. And, and it was quite, quite humid. Um, so I do think that's going to be a factor. And I, I know Miami of Florida is not really known as of late for their big crowds, I guess, for these type of games. But I do think that this, this crowd and, and there will be an energy to be had uh, in, in a night game in the season opener. Um, but how do you think this kind of all comes to fruition or how, how, how do you think it all turns out 
in this game? Do you think Miami of Ohio will make it closer than the experts think here? Because right now it's they're 16 and a half point dogs. How do you think it all folds when the when it's a final? Have a preview releasing later today that comes with a prediction of Miami, Florida 30, Miami, Ohio 21. I'm still not really nailing these predictions given the updated clock rolls this year as the games that were on the lower scoring side in week zero. And I think that trend might continue. Also, the defensives have really reigned supreme so far in the season. So I don't think this one's really headed for shootout territory. I think Miami, Florida plays a step ahead the entire time. I think that they're going to get off to like a 14 to zero lead and the Red Hawks are going to have to play from behind. But I do think that the Red Hawks offense has enough firepower to get a couple touchdowns in there. Last year, I thought their offense moved decently against Kentucky for most of the game. They just couldn't finish drives. And that was the problem. Brett Gabbert was by no means bad that game. And he had a good connection with Mac Hippenhammer getting that passing offense going. But the inability to run the ball really doomed them in last year's opener against Kentucky. I think that's a trend that we could see sustain through this game. Because while Miami's MO was a rushing offense without Gabbert last year, they weren't really a dominant team getting a ton of yards per carry, ton of explosive. They averaged below four yards a carry last year. And I'm concerned that they're not going to be able to generate yardage on running play so they're going to face a lot of third and long situations Gabbert's a good quarterback he'll get some of it done but overall I think that Miami Hurricanes are going to have a lot of talent in this game Cam Kinchins is someone that I mean all America knows about now as an all, uh, all American selection last year by the Associated Press first team he's someone that Gabbert's going to have to watch on the back end and he's going to be Someone huge in zone coverage, six interceptions last year. We've seen what he's capable of. And then I'm really curious about how Miami's talent, a transfer talent, performs in their first game, Miami Hurricanes, as they have some transfer cornerbacks that have experience elsewhere, Devontae Brown, Jaden Davis, how Gabbert excels when he targets him. Because if Miami, Ohio wants to win this game, it's going to have to be through the passing game, just because I don't know if their run game can get it done. And conversely, on the other side of the ball, when the Hurricanes have the ball, I think that their passing offense is going to be in pretty decent shape with Tyler Van Dyke. Better slate of health now. I know there were the comments about the thumb injury, but it sounded like Chris the ball wasn't really concerned about it, saying he was 100% for Friday night. So I think that Van Dyke's going to succeed in the passing game. And likewise, I do think that Miami, Ohio does have the firepower to stop the Hurricanes rushing attack, which wasn't really one of the very impressive last year. Although I am looking forward to possibly the breakout of Mark Fletcher. I don't know who the number two running back replacing Jalen Knighton is, but I feel like Fletcher is going to be someone that gets that later in the year. So I think that's one thing that I'm interested in watching in this game. Yeah. That second running back is actually AJ Allen. And he's a transfer from Nebraska, from Nebraska and he, he may get the the majority of the carries. So we'll, we'll we'll kind of see how it all plays out. But I agree with you as far as uh, the passing game for Miami is probably going to be where they you know excel. I think in, in this game because Miami of Ohio's run defense was so strong. 
last year. So I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to be forced to make throws to move the ball down the field. And that finger injury is, I think, is it's going to be a factor. I mean, I, I think Cristobal did downplay it much, and I think that was just kind of strategic. Uh, I think it's not a significant injury, but I think it is somewhat a factor. And I think if he if he bangs that finger finger on a on a helmet or something during the game, then that could cause him to. Uh, leave the game and Miami would have to go to backups, Jakari Brown and Emery Williams. So that is going to be something to watch definitely in this game. And I think on the other side of the ball, Miami of Ohio, it probably is going to have some difficulty passing in the ball because Miami's strength is their defensive line. Uh, they, they rotate about eight or nine guys in there so they're going to have fresh guys in for third down so i think uh that is going to be an advantage for the miami hurricanes the question really is can they stop the run during camp they've had some difficulty stopping the run um of course against miami's offense uh that has been cleaned up somewhat according to defensive coordinator lance gidry but that will be something to watch on that side of the ball. Can they stop the run consistently? And if they do, then I think, think Miami will likely cruise to uh, an easy victory. But if they can't, I think this is going to be a close game, closer than the experts think. And I think it, it will be a very similar score than uh, like what you predicted, maybe about 9, 10, 11 point type of margin. My prediction is 27 to 16 as far as a finals concerned because I am factoring in that that time uh change I guess you could say with the college football game and I I just I just think because of that Miami won't be able to put as much points as they would like uh neither uh the Red Hawks but it should be an entertaining game nonetheless because I do expect this game to be a close one uh, in the first half, and then Miami should be able to get some momentum with some turnovers, and and that Miami humidity will probably start to kick in in that second half because Steve, you, you I mean, you live in Houston, so you know how hot it is at night. It's like 80, 80 degrees, close to ninety degrees at night. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but I, I do appreciate you joining me for this podcast. Excellent stuff from you. Once again, Steve Helwick from Hustle Belt covers the Mac for SB Nation. Maybe one day we'll do it again if we have another uh, Mac versus ACC, if it's even called the ACC, uh, <laughs> the next time uh, that we see each other. Um, but that will wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you next time.